0: Do you believe miracles happen? Anybody seen a miracle happen? Or maybe have you experienced a miracle before? Uh, It's an amazing thing, isn't it? Uh, Do you believe miracles still happen today? And we think like the Bible talks about miracles, but do they happen right now? It's a powerful thing to think about the divine coming into our world. Anybody need a miracle right now for something? You don't have to be out vocal with it, but if you need it, this is a great place to share it so I don't know maybe if you've ever sat in a class some of you have this experience of I'm going to need a miracle to pass this thing have you ever sat in a doctor's office and thought I'm going to need a miracle to get through this diagnosis you ever sat in a relationship and thought there's nothing but a, a godly intervention that's going to fix what's the matter with this thing that we got going you ever looked at your, your bank app and went Whew, this definitely needs a miracle here so many places and so many stages in our lives, so many times, I think everybody, whether you believe in miracles or not, you've had that experience that says, I'm gonna need some help that's bigger than me. I'm gonna need a force outside myself. I'm gonna even need, maybe you don't even believe in God at this point in your life, but you say, I'm gonna need something bigger, some divine intervention. If there is a God, I need him right now. Everybody gets to a place, believe me, where they say, I need some help. I need something bigger than me. I need a miracle. And uh, I appreciate, I believe in miracles. I believe that God has done things that you can't just explain in any normal way I believe that he continues to do them but I respect that not everyone does so if you're watching online or if you're here in the room right now and you don't necessarily think these things happen it's okay you're still welcome here and we can agree to disagree I hope that you'll just keep an open mind as we go through this new series that we're starting I need a miracle really because as we look at the reality around us It may be bigger than you even realize. There may be things that are possible that you've never in your imagination or your wildest dreams thought could be. And I hope that maybe through the experience we have over the next several weeks, as we walk through the Gospel of John and look at the miracles that he describes there, that you might come to a place where you can say, I actually do think that God has done miracles in the past, I do think that God maybe even can do miracles now, and I'm even open to asking God to do a miracle in my own life. We are going to go through the Gospel of John, so if you've got a Bible that's an analog version, if you want to start looking for it now, it's cool to use the table of contents in this church, and you'll look in the table of contents and actually see there's Four different Johns. You want the Gospel of John, you can ignore 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Those are letters that John actually wrote, same guy. But the Gospel is just an accounting of Jesus' life. John has a unique perspective because he tells about seven miracles that Jesus performed, and John was an eyewitness to all seven of them. So he's telling you firsthand what he saw and what he experienced. And John tells us Jesus did lots more than the seven that he describes there. In John chapter 21 and verse 25, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. So John writes about these seven miracles. He says, look, I've just edited it down. And he tells why. John 20 verse 30. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. That would be the gospel of John. But these, these seven are written, why? So that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. I want you to think about this for a second. John tells us there's a reason why Jesus did miracles, and it may not be what you think. Why did Jesus do miracles? Why would you want a miracle? I'll tell you why I want a miracle. I need help. I need help right now That's the purpose of the miracle Getting me out of a tough situation Getting me somewhere where I'm healthier Or happier Or delivered And John says There's a bigger thing going on here The miracle is actually something more than just A fix for your situation That you have no solution for Though that is great And that's immediately what it does John said What was it? It's actually a sign And we understand signs What does it do for you to think about I need a miracle and God says I'll give you a miracle And it'll be a sign to you We can't live life without signs right? When you go on vacation And you're like standing in front of Like a historical building or a location You read the sign and it interprets what you're seeing It tells you why this is significant Uh, Maybe you're driving You can't drive without signs Though people in Missouri tend to drive As though signs don't exist What stop sign? I didn't see it But the signs are there. They tell you where you're going. And so John says, here's why I've given you these seven miracles that I'm telling you about that I saw with my own eyes, things that I heard with my own ears. Jesus, whom I touched with my own hands, did these things. And they were signs. And they were bigger than just a momentary miracle where it it went beyond the laws of nature and physics and he did something extraordinary. It was beyond that. It was a sign so that you will know who Jesus is. And he's telling us 20, you know, 2,000 years later, 20 centuries later, it's for us as well. This is a sign. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's capable of. This is what he would like to do for you. He's pointing you to God. Now, as we go through the miracles through this series, I hope that you'll be engaged. I hope if you're watching online, you'll keep watching online, and we'll just all together discover what is it that we learn? What does it point us to? What could we experience today if we'll just simply have the faith in Jesus to ask him for a miracle? I want to start where John did. John chapter 2, the first miracle that Jesus ever performed was actually at a wedding. You may be familiar with this one. This is kind of a uh, somewhat famous story because of the miracle that Jesus did. I'll just go ahead and read it for us. It's on the screen. Uh, if you have a Bible app on your phone, cool thing, if you just point the camera toward the QR code on the, up on the wall behind me, uh, you, it'll open your Bible app right to the scripture. So, John chapter 2, verse 1 says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. And, verse 3, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So, Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. My time's not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Well, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for ceremonial washing, and each one could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out, take it to the master's ceremonies. So the servants followed Jesus' instructions. When the master's ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone's had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you've kept the best till now. And this first miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Amazing story. Water became wine. 180 gallons of water became wine that doesn't just happen h2o if you let it sit for a million years is not on its own going to become ethanol and glycerol or whatever you know all the phenolic compounds whatever it is that goes into making wine it doesn't just happen without divine intervention this something miraculous happened they ran out of wine at a wedding jesus got involved because his mom said something and there suddenly was like 700 bottles of wine worth right there speaking can we just go ahead and start there Uh, An understanding what happened that day, because I have a feeling if I don't address a couple of elephants in the room, some of you are going to have a really hard time listening to me for the rest of the message. Number one, did Jesus get invited to a party where there was drinking? Yes. He went to a wedding celebration, and there was alcohol flowing. It was wine, and uh, you think, well, it's— you may not want Jesus to be there at that party, but he was there. In fact, Jesus was a normal, he's God from heaven, became a normal human being, did all the things normal people did. He had family, so that means he went to family birthday parties. He got invited to weddings. He got invited to dinner. One of the accusations that was hurled at him from the hyper-religious people of his day was that Jesus ate too much and drank too much. And worse than that, it's who Jesus chose to associate with while he was eating and drinking. Like, you hang around with sinful people, and you, you know, these people are prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners, which Jesus would say it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick I'm just hanging around the people who need me the most you guys need me too you religious people you just don't want to admit it so Jesus absolutely went to this party this wedding celebration there was a wine flowing smoothly there and uh, you look at what Jesus did I like what Pastor Tim Harlow says he says it seems to me as I read the Bible if I'm going to follow the example of Jesus my goal in life is to irritate religious people and get invited to a lot of parties (laughs) what would Jesus do there we go So I don't know what your mental image of Jesus is If it was formed by some TV show you saw Or some joke that somebody told you Jesus was a real person And the people who knew him best said Jesus is the kind of guy who got invited to parties And it wasn't that Jesus compromised any of his morals He had absolute integrity The man never sinned The man never did anything wrong But as Andy Stanley, the pastor, famously says uh, People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus He had a way of being in a place in a situation not compromising, able to tell the truth, but he didn't make it weird or awkward for anybody who was not quite clear yet about what it meant to follow God. He went places and he told people the truth and he invited them to come home to God and they wanted to come home to God. They wanted to be better people because they were with him and Jesus didn't make it weird in the meantime. You know, something, as a pastor, I'm not at all ashamed to be a pastor. I am happy that God called me to do what I do, but when I meet new people, I don't try to tell people right up front That I'm a pastor I don't lead with that And I inevitably inside I'm cringing when the question comes So what do you do, Brian? Oh, I'm a pastor And inevitably I see the look on the person's face Their first thought in their head is Oh no, did I cuss in front of him? <laughs> He's a pastor I said, oh no, it's okay And they're like I didn't know you were a priest Well, I'm not <laughs> I'm not Catholic Okay, you know, Pastor Brian, Father Brian No, I'm just Brian so look, feel free to invite me to whatever you got going on. I promise I won't kill your party, because you know I learned that from Jesus. There's a way for us to be who we are and to enjoy life and not compromise. So that's a, and, and, and really, my goal as a pastor has always been when I was a student minister, or now it's when I'm with you all as adults and, and older young people. I just want to help you find Jesus. I want to help you move closer to God. I don't judge. We don't judge each other here. We accept each other while we're changing. We'll figure this all out. We'll enjoy the good things that God's given us, which is the other elephant in the room that I need to address, and what I'm about to say for some of you, you're going to be like, I have no idea why you're saying this, and it's okay. For the next 30 seconds, you can ignore everything I'm about to say, but some of you, like me, grew up in Sunday school being taught that Jesus changed water to Welch's grape juice, and that's not what it says, and I'm not trying to be offensive, but... Clearly, Jesus did something here that everybody understood was wine. Was wine different back then? I don't know, but he did it. And I'm saying this as a pastor who has had a front row seat to seeing what alcohol and the abuse of alcohol, addiction to alcohol has done to people's lives. I get it. I've seen it in my own family. I've seen it with friends, people I care about. I've helped people and seen people walk out of it with Jesus' help. And a lot of us have stories that include alcohol uh, in a good way. And some of us, and maybe a lot of us have stories that include like, it's not necessarily been a great thing in my life. Having said all that, I also understand that the Bible just says to a Christian don't get drunk on wine that's Ephesians 5:18 uh, don't get drunk on wine it leads to bad behavior it leads to debauchery instead be filled with the holy spirit but Jesus clearly did change water to actual wine and if he wanted to go on the record and say I don't want you guys drinking This was a perfect opportunity His mom says they ran out of wine And Jesus could have looked at her and said Mom, I know what you're asking But I'm not doing that They've already had too much to drink And if I make more It's going to be really good And they're going to drink it all And then Uptown Funk's going to come on And people are going to be dancing on the tables And doing the chicken dance And there's people in the back hall Making poor relational choices So I'm just None of that is here And John would have told us if it was So all I'm saying is Let's just be mature If you have a problem with alcohol Don't drink if you are not 21, definitely don't drink. It's illegal, and your brain's not cooked enough yet. You're so susceptible to addiction when you drink before your mid 20s. So just you know, and if you have a conscience issue with it, certainly don't. Uh, but let's just go ahead and agree that we want to say the, what the Bible says, and then just kind of be quiet where the Bible doesn't speak. And so Jesus did change wine to water to wine that day. And uh, as I think about this um, this miracle, it And if you're at all familiar with the Bible, you know Jesus did other miracles, right? And how would you rank saving a wedding reception on the scale of all the things that Jesus did compared to saving somebody from leprosy, raising a 12-year-old girl from the dead, calming a storm that was about to kill 13 to 15 people or more? It doesn't seem like a big deal to me, right? Come on, wine gone, people gone. What's the big deal here? culturally this was actually pretty embarrassing for a couple and for a family people had expectations 2,000 years ago when you come to one of these weddings the thing could last for a week and people brought expensive gifts and they expected a nice reception in return and Cana was not a big city it was a small town you know how small towns are everybody talks and they have long memories This couple at their 50th wedding anniversary celebration, there would have been somebody going, this is the cheapskate couple that ran out of wine 50 years ago at their reception. People even got sued for things like this. So it mattered to them. Jesus gets involved here. I don't know, to me this miracle just seems like it's a miracle about expectations. The people who showed up at that wedding had some expectations. I'm sure the bride and the groom and the parents of the bride and the groom had expectations. They'd envisioned what they wanted to be. I don't know if in your life, maybe part of where you need God to get to work is that you had an expectation, and then there's a reality, and there's a big gap between them. And, and maybe for you, it was, I, I just really thought at this point in my life that I would be further along than I am. Or maybe you're exactly where you thought you would be at this point in your life, and you're thinking, I really thought that I'd be happier than I am considering how much I've accomplished. Uh, We have expectations for, you know, our kids and how things are going to turn out. We have expectations for our life. And I think that's the place where God meets us. uh, When we're disappointed with what we wanted and how things actually turn out, I don't know if you maybe right now, I don't know who first said this, but I really like this thought that a lot of people live in in verse 3 of this story, this true story, just the place where the wine ran out. What do you do when in your life you're feeling like that and the wine has run out and there is no more and it's not gonna take you to any place good? I don't wanna over-allegorize this story, but I just see some helpful things in here. Maybe some advice for you if you want God to get involved in your life. And uh, maybe if you even need a miracle, here's where I would just suggest you start. Just ask for one. If you need help, the best thing you could do is ask God for help. That's exactly what Mary did. And maybe you're thinking, no Brian she didn't she just looked at Jesus and said they don't have any more wine come on now how many of you are moms yeah let me see your hands moms do you not all have like secret meetings where you talk about how to get your kids to do what they should do all of us have moms we know how mom works Mary wasn't just saying oh they're out of wine it wasn't an innocent statement at all and Jesus knew that because what was his first response This is none of our business mom Actually, he didn't even call her mom There's a little subtle conversation There's a subtext going on here What did he call her? Woman, dear woman, ma'am By the way, don't be be offended by him calling her woman It was a polite way of saying ma'am Now who calls their mom ma'am Unless he's now 30 years old And reminding mom that I'm not just your son anymore I am, but I'm also the son of God and what he said was It's not that time Right What he's saying is I have a plan For how I will launch My ministry At 30 years old Why did Jesus Go to the wedding Did he go Planning on Changing water to wine Was this how He's going to have This big launch For his uh, His ministry No I think Jesus Went to the wedding Because he got invited To the wedding Doing a miracle At the wedding Was not on his radar screen However He did do a miracle At the wedding Why did he do a miracle At the wedding it's so easy. He did it because somebody asked him to help. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify this, but I just wonder because you might even be thinking, wait a minute, Brian. It sounds to me like you're saying there's things that God would do but doesn't do because I didn't ask him to do. Hmm? Now, how's that work? I thought God knew everything and does everything. Does he? Or does he walk alongside you as a dad would? Does he allow you to ask for things and he gives it because you ask and he loves to do things for you? Is it possible that maybe the one thing that's standing between you and God getting involved in your life right now in a big way is that you just haven't humbled yourself enough to ask or trusted him enough to ask or even dared dream that you could ask him? I'm telling you, if Jesus will change water to to wine at a wedding because his mom asked him, like, and sometimes I think you get the idea, well, I don't want to bother him with these little things. Bother him. It's okay. Kathleen Madigan, you know the comedian from St. Louis? She's hilarious, I think. She grew up Catholic, and I'm not dissing any religion. She just, in her own words, was saying, I grew up with the impression from the nuns that you weren't supposed to bother Jesus. Like I, she grew up with the impression like you've got your guardian angel who has nothing to do 24-7 but take care of your needs if there's another problem you can go to the saints you, know, you can even bother Jesus' mom but don't bother Jesus and I hate that anybody would have that impression because Jesus wants you to bother him in fact the Bible says this in Philippians 4-6 It's be on the screen if you don't have your Bible it says don't worry about anything instead do what? pray about everything tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done you ever reverse that? no You know, you worry about everything and pray about nothing. You can ask, and God is listening. In fact, you have no idea what God might be willing to do for you if you will just ask in prayer and then say thank you. It's a great way to acknowledge that God's always doing things. He may not, and God's not like a short order cook. And Jesus gets involved in your life. He's gonna tailor what he does that's specific for you, and it's gonna be the thing that absolutely points you closer to God in the end. And so you just ask him, and so I don't know what you're, there is no more of but maybe if you're thinking I just got no more patience for my kids and I've just had it to hear, and it's gone or you have no more love to give you have no more forgiveness that person in your family or your friend's circle has just abused your trust one too many times you have no more money you have no more health you can fill in the blank with whatever it is I'm just telling you as a pastor who cares about you you should be talking to Jesus about it you have no idea what he might do I'm not guaranteeing you he'll do a miracle, but I'm not saying he won't. You should just ask him. And then when you ask, here's the next thing I see out of what happened. You ought to do what Jesus tells you to do. That's what Mary did, and that's what the servants did. So they were working the wedding. The servants were Mary calls him over and says, look, I want you to do whatever this guy tells you to do. And Jesus says, I want you to fill those six ceremonial washing basins with water. They were places you normally washed your hands, not like out of the bathroom washing, but it was more of like a religious thing. So you got these six stone jars, 180 gallons of water. So those servants made a lot of trips to the well, a lot of trips to the spring to fill those things up to the top to where the water was running over the sides. And then Jesus says, look, here's what I want you to do. Now that you've done what I told you to do to fill them, scoop some of it out and take it to the master of ceremonies. I'm just curious if at least one of those servants was thinking, okay, this is where I get fired. I'm taking a glass of water to my boss. Or perhaps sees on the way, wow, that's not water anymore, but I have no idea what this is. But I'm going to give it to my boss to drink. Because the boss has no idea they're out of wine. The servant's just bringing him what from the boss's perspective, the master of ceremonies' perspective is just more wine from the cellar. The master tastes it and you know all the servants are thinking, oh, no, 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 no. And because it could have been, what is this swill? I haven't had wine this bad since college. This mad dog 2020, what is this stuff? (laughs) That's not what he said, right? He takes a drink and he goes, bridegroom, come over here. I imagine him putting his arm around the bridegroom's shoulder and like, you are such an awesome dude. Normally what people do is they give the good stuff first and then they pull out the two buck chuck from Trader Joe's at the end when nobody knows the difference anyway. This is like something from the the Valley of Bordeaux in France. A sommelier would rate this 100. This is the good stuff. Because if Jesus is going to change water to wine, he's obviously going to make it really good. And he did. And that day, this is a story that that family had to tell for the rest of their lives, all because why? Several people were willing to do what Jesus told them to do. They were willing to be obedient. Now, in my own estimation, I think if Jesus really wanted to wow them, he should have changed water to Mountain Dew. You imagine, <laughs> 2,000 years ago, people get a taste of the holy nectar. It would have, pff, it would have been baptisms everywhere. It's just me. How do you get the miracle? You ask, and you obey. I like what Jesus said three years later. Those disciples who were at the wedding that night, they saw that. they had just started following Jesus. It was Peter, Andrew, James, John, uh, Bartholomew, Philip, I think, maybe Nathaniel. I don't know if all 12 of them were there, but the ones who were there never saw Jesus the same again. Three years later, they're in an upper room in Jerusalem sharing one last meal the night before Jesus died. And they've got bread and they've got wine. And Jesus says these words to them, John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and I will reveal myself to them and I look at how much it matters to Jesus that we actually take him seriously enough to do what he says. And I think, why do I miss this? So many times I am so guilty of just thinking that I can do what Jesus wants me to do when it's convenient for me. Do you ever do that? You know, it isn't really a good time. Or maybe this feels a little bit awkward right now. Maybe I can get to this later. Can we circle back around to this when it's a better time for me? And Jesus looks at us like, no. And I think it was in Luke chapter 6 46, Jesus just looked people in the eye and said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? Makes no sense to me. You say I'm the boss. You say I'm Lord. But you don't trust me enough to actually do what I'm advising you and telling you to do? And I know from Jesus' perspective, it just looks ridiculous. The one man in all of creation and all of the universe, the, the, the man who is God, looks at us and says, I absolutely know exactly what you should do right now, and I'm so wise I'm also so good. I'm never going to tell you to do something that's not good for you. Why would you ignore that? Why would you say, I think I know what I'm going to do, and I'm just not going to do that right now? It is always in your best interest to do what Jesus is putting on your heart to do next. It's it's never going to get better the longer you wait. The moment to obey Jesus is the moment you realize that he's calling on you to do something. And I've watched this play out so many times. What happens is, as time goes on, you're hearing the voice of God, but it gets quieter, and you're thinking, well, I guess he changed his mind about that, and what's just happening is you're just getting better at ignoring God, and that's a dangerous place to be. You don't want to do that. Is it possible, just asking you between you and God and and me, is there something that Jesus is asking you to do that you're just kind of pushing to the back burner and hoping that he forgets that, it's just not a good time or you just don't want to do it maybe it's a little embarrassing maybe it's a little humbling maybe it's just uh, more than you think you can do i got news for you by the way it is absolutely more than you can do on your own but you're not on your own and he's going to help you he's not only good and he's not only lord he's powerful and he's on your side why would you turn away from that if you need a miracle today this is one last thing you should ask for it and you should do what jesus says and you should put your trust in him Which is, remember, as John told us in John 21, the whole purpose, or I'm sorry, John 20, he said, like, the reason that I'm telling you about these miracles and the reason Jesus did those miracles was not just the miracle itself. It's the thing beyond the miracle. Trying to tell you who Jesus is. Trying to point you to the eternal life that he holds in his hands. Because think about this. As uh, as John 2.11 points out so clearly, the miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. they, They went from just being respectful of Jesus before they went to that wedding to being in awe of him They saw him in a completely different light and that only increased as they saw more and more miracles They're just who is this man? And and he wants to do so many things in their lives He wants to do so many things in your lives He's want us all to see a bigger picture than the one we're looking at now Because in the moment when you need something desperately from god All you can see is that problem in front of you and you do need god. I agree But he wants you to see beyond that Because I'm not trying to be offensive But All the miracles in the Bible Were temporary fixes Weren't they? Just follow me here 700 bottles of wine Did they not eventually Run out of that wine? You know Later in John 11 Jesus raises one of his best friends From the dead The guy had been dead four days Lazarus Did Lazarus not die again? when Jesus calmed the storm and it went from storm that could kill you to calm in a moment, does it not still storm on the Sea of Galilee in Israel today? You might have an amazing story. I ask you have you experienced a miracle in your life? That may have been an amazing thing, but was that the end-all, be-all for you? Or have you continued to maybe have some problems and difficulties in your life? Is it possible that the miracle you need in your life is more than just the miracle? I hope you get a miracle. I will pray with you to get a miracle, but is there something bigger than that that God wants you to see? Because this world is a broken place and we are broken people. You guys know that. I do not have to just watch the news for 30 seconds and you get it. This is not how it's supposed to be, and God is fixing it, and it gets so easy in the midst of it all to forget that God actually is fixing it, and the miracles are momentary glimpses where the curtains part, and you see the future, and it's getting better, and it's going to be okay. There's going to come a day when you don't need miracles, because the things we call miracles now are just normal life, and nobody dies, and nobody gets sick, and nobody hurts each other anymore that's what we're going toward and the miracle that you need most of all is not the thing that you think is right in front of you the miracle you need first of all is for God to change your heart because when you're outside of Christ default for every single human being who's ever lived is dead spiritually dead lost far from God and he wants to change that And the greatest miracle he ever could do is to change your heart and to give you eternal life so that on that last day when Jesus returns and every single person who's ever lived stands before him, that you're in the life to come, that you are a part of eternal life. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want your friends to miss that. I don't want anybody who's watching this to miss that. So that's the miracle that we're aiming for. And if you need to know for sure that you're a part of that and you're not quite sure if you are, you think maybe I did this thing at one time, I think my parents took me and did that, let's just not have any uncertainty about that. Today would be a great day for you to step forward and say, I don't know if I've ever done this before, but from today forward, Jesus is my Lord and I'm committed fully to him and I'm going to go public with my faith and be immersed in water and baptism and just call on the name of the Lord to save me and the miracle that you walk out of here with today is you've got eternal life and it starts Today, what is this, March 6th? March 6th, 2022. Your eternal life starts today. And nobody can take it away from you. Something we do here at Connection every week is we share communion, which is a really cool thing. Uh, we, we do what Jesus said to do. That night before Jesus died, when he was in that upper room with his closest disciples, he took bread and he took wine and he, he gave it to them and he said, this, is, this bread's like my body. It's broken for you. I want you to, to do this to remember me and take, take this wine and do that to remember me. Today, we do like so many Christians everywhere do. We share communion to remember Jesus. We have bread. We actually have Welch's grape juice. so It's not wine. But we're doing what Jesus said. If you're watching online, you can start grabbing your communion stuff as well. Whatever you got will be fine. Just The most important thing is that we remember Jesus and that everything he's calling us to is real. So there's this wonderful prophecy from Isaiah. Isaiah was alive 700 years before Jesus, but he got a glimpse of what Jesus' life would be like. And for us, this is even cool. Isaiah saw a glimpse of our future as well. Some of the things he's talking about in this verse I'm about to read haven't even happened yet. Listen to this. Isaiah 25, 6. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove... The cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. And in that day, the people will proclaim, This is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let's rejoice in the salvation he brings. I invite you to do that right now. I'm going to pray and then we'll share communion together. Let's pray right now. Father, I am so thankful that in your love, you gave your only son, Jesus, for us. Jesus, thank you for coming here and living this amazing life, showing us the way to the Father, doing great things that we could never do for ourselves. Some of us, maybe all of us right now, you see our hearts. We just need you in ways that is just beyond our own ability to, to handle. And we just ask for you to step forward. And if there's anyone here right now, Father, who needs something miraculous, if it's your will and you're, able, and, and you're willing to do it, just please make that thing happen. And in the end, we'll give you glory, we'll give you thanks. And the times when you, for whatever reason, don't step forward and do a miracle, we still, we want to trust you, and we do. And we, as we share this communion together, will you help us remember just how much love you have for us, how much you want to do for us, the future you have in store for us. Help us to be mindful of one another as we share this communion as well. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you are a Christian, whether you're a member of this church or not, we welcome you to go to any of the stations around the room and get communion. There are some purple cups if you have a gluten allergy, and the purple cups have that, uh, they'll be ready for you.